0: The Higher Side Chats doesn't start with underwear ads or guilt-tripping donation pleas, nor would I ever commit the cardinal sin of podcasting and interrupt the flow mid-show to show you an unrelated sponsor. But the free first-hour episodes do have to start with a little PSA before we get into it to ever so quickly remind slash inform listeners both old slash new that you're about to get into what I'm sure is a great first hour of a high-level interview, but that means you're missing half the show. If you like what we do around here, get yourself a THC Plus membership and listen to the full two-hour interviews as they were really designed to be and as I know you would enjoy them most. Give a little and actually get a little more in return of the thing you're actually engaging with. Five episodes every month, plus forum access, community comments, downloads to all the closing cover songs, a Plus Show RSS feed to use with any private RSS feed-supported app, and the occasional joint session bonus shows, which include the messages you might leave me about your own theories, experiences, or otherworldly encounters, at thehiresidechats.com slash voicemail. If you're not quite sure, if you just wanna feel us out, or if you're only here for this particular episode, no worries, new first time subscribers get a seven day free trial when you sign up at thehiresidechats.com, cancel anytime. Try it out, because it's so important to feed the things you want to grow and starve the things that gotta go. And with that said, let's get on with it already, huh? In the 1930s, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt addressed the nation through a series of radio broadcasts known as the Fireside Chats. His aim was to reassure the common man that our society would recover from its troubled times. Well, we're far from 1930, and I deal with a different kind of fire. For a new era of worldly frustration, we offer a fresh conversation. I'm Greg Carlwood, and these are the Higher Side Chats. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, people. From sunny San Diego, I'm Greg Carlwood, and if you pay any attention to the 24-7 non-stop fear porn news cycle... It's pretty clear they leave out way more information than they give and their simple storylines really lack a much wider and deeper context required for them to actually make any sense. Events don't happen in a bubble and are often aspects of a long string of attacks from the capstone cabal on the last remaining pockets of the planet they don't lord over with full spectrum dominance. Yet the planet's puppet masters propagandize a full-court press on how the bloodlusting empire of the 13 bloodline families must maintain the moral high ground and snuff out these evil, sadistic dictators. It's a storyline that's worn pretty thin, but we still see the old script dusted off and reused even today. Couple that with what seems to be the controlled demolition of the Western economy, the widening divide of the haves and have-nots, and the systematic supply chain disruption, while multinational corporations buy up the last remaining assets in an effort to rent them back to us at a premium. Well, the more attached you are to the Nephilim-nurtured material matrix, the more troubled our times might seem. But if we can unplug, live a simpler lifestyle, and work more closely with nature, many of these concerns and problems do just fade away. And those are just a few of the many lessons learned from the work of today's returning guest, Dean Henderson. Dean was here last year breaking down the long timeline of the Nephilim Crown bloodlines and the Puppet Master's Power Pyramid in a history lesson I definitely enjoyed. And he's the author of six fantastic books. Big Oil and Their Bankers in the Persian Gulf. The Grateful Unrich, Revolution in 50 Countries. Sticking It to the Matrix. The Federal Reserve Cartel. Illuminati, Agenda 21, The Luciferian Plan to Destroy Creation. And Nephilim Crown 5G Apocalypse. He knows a lot about a lot, and it's a real treat to have him here again. The Nephilim Bloodline Exposer, South Dakota Simple Life Liver and Headmaster of Conspiracy University, Dean Henderson. Great to have you back. How the hell are
1: you? Great, great. That's really a kind intro. Glad to be back with you.
0: Yes, man. It is a serious pleasure to be doing this again. I really enjoyed the last one, and the pressure is definitely turning up more and more each year. It's actually a little tough to see the storm brewing around us, at least for some people. But what are your thoughts on how we're being manipulated currently and how it fits into the big picture of this global Nephilim bloodline control apparatus and the way they're trying to steer the world today?
1: Well, it just seems like it was a pretty quick pivot from COVID. That whole narrative fell apart. We won the information war. Those of us who know that the whole thing was a scam designed to further the fourth industrial revolution or the fourth Reich, you can also call it, no problem, because that's what it is. And so they, they hyped up a lot of liberals through Trump, you know they used Trump as kind of a red herring, and they hive minded all the liberals. Like everything Trump did, they did the opposite, and so pretty soon they love the FBI, the CIA, the mainstream media, everybody that's supposedly going after Trump, but not really. So anyway, they washed them out, and they got all Pfizered up and Moderned up, and got their <laughs> booster, and and then here comes this Ukrainian situation. Which has been a war since 2014. And we've been encircling Russia with NATO forces with S 300 missile batteries in Romania, Bulgaria, Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania, Georgia, Ukraine. And Ukraine has always been the prize because, you know, ever since the wall came down, the USAID, starting with at least the Clinton administration, was funneling money into Ukraine big time. And it's the red basket of the Eastern Hemisphere is partly why, for real. I mean, other than Northern India, the Punjab region, you really can't grow wheat anywhere else in the Eastern Hemisphere except Russia, Ukraine, and Ukraine especially, and it's just very strategic. So they put a lot of money into it. In the end, they ended up counting on their fellow oligarchs. First, it was Poroshenko, the chocolate billionaire, well, after they pulled this incident on the Maidan, which looks like snipers probably from Georgia, probably handled by Mossad, who then are run by British intelligence. British intelligence clearly steering this whole event in Ukraine, as they always do, really, from the shadows. You just don't see them. But you see them if you watch for it. You'll see it. For example, a lot of the intelligence reports we get on CNN, MSNBC, Fox, doesn't matter. there you know, according to British intelligence or, you know, you'll hear it all the time, actually. So they got Poroshenko in there. Then they ran this Zelensky against him. You know, he was kind of portrayed as this populist through this television program that he did, which is called My Public Servant. And it was funded by this other oligarch named Kolomoisky, Ihor Kolomoisky. Then Kolomoisky ends up, you know, buying him a range rover to drive and then he ends up funding his political career against Poroshenko. And his shtick was, Oh yeah, I'm gonna make it better in the Donbass and we're gonna negotiate something and we're gonna honor Minsk, you know, one and two was the sort of idea which uh, involved, you know, Russian areas in eastern Ukraine being, you know, autonomous zones. The Donetsk People's Republic, the Luhansk People's Republic. And he said, I want to make it all better. And so he ran on that and Ukrainians won't like that idea because they were tired of war because they've been going, this war has been going on in Ukraine since 2014. Since right after the Maidan and Russia, you know, the separatists took the East. Crimea was a referendum. What, 90% of the people voted to be part of Russia. So this whole idea that Russia annexed the Crimea is is nonsense. It's always been theirs. It's their only warm water port on the Black Sea. They're never going to give it up, ever. (laughs) Why would they Hmm. be like us giving up, I don't know, Newport Beach to the Canadians or something? Yeah, so we ran the Zelensky. was the guy. He was a populist. Then he gets in. He turns hardline. And Kolomoisky, meantime, is funding uh, fascist battalions like the Azov Battalion like the Nitro Battalion, like the Tornado Battalion. He's also funding bioweapons labs through Rosemont Capital with Hunter Biden. He's also one of the heads of Burisma. He's the biggest owner of Burisma. In fact, he has no shares in Burisma, which was Hunter Biden's energy company. So Joe's the vice president. He goes over there. He gets the attorney general of Ukraine fired because he was going to investigate Burisma, both Kolomoisky and Biden. Hunter Biden would have been investigated with it. And he gets him fired while he's vice president. So no conflict of interest there. And then meantime, the whole, you know, not only is Trump used as a mind control tool against the liberals on this country, but he's also used as a mind control tool to hate Russia So this is when the Russia Gate started was, you know, in 2016, I guess, you know, really immediately when Trump was elected. So they pushed this anti-Russian narrative and it wasn't so much they wanted you to hate Trump. They wanted you to hate Russia. See, that's what most people don't get. You know, anybody that's associated with Trump becomes toxic. And that's one of the main reasons the manipulators put him in power because they knew that was his personality character and they knew that they could use him in that way to drive the progressive kind of nutty, over the top, anything he said, bad. And then on the other hand, anybody that's associated with Trump is bad. And, you know, somehow they were able to associate Putin with Trump, even though, you know, it was crowd striking the Clintons and the DNC and Debbie Wasserman Schultz and they killed Seth Rich and they got the stick drives out of there. And they were the ones, along with Ukraine, that were interfering in the elections and trying to do these things. But British intelligence, of course, put Trump in power through Cambridge Analytica, it's true. And their parent corporation, SLC Corporation in Britain is a defense contractor. Lord Mountbatten sits on a board of directors. It's very close to the crown defense contractor company. And they wanted Trump for precisely the reasons I just laid out. And then they wanted Biden because Biden's going to kind of Try to calm people down while they kill us with vaccines and go to World War III. I guess he kind of presides over the convalescent home or the the hospice, <laughs> maybe. But um, <laughs> anyway, so just to digress, Kolomoisky, this guy got is Zelensky's political sponsor, and that's who we're dealing with. And Zelensky, by um, most accounts, is a cokehead. He's got a mansion in Florida. He's got a mansion in Switzerland. Very wealthy, portrays himself as some you know camo-colored populist, but can't hide the Knights Templar logo on the T-shirt. Well, they've kind of made him hide that lately. He's been putting that away, but that is a Knights Templar logo that you're seeing on his T-shirt. So this is another crusade, I guess, but and it is, and and it's really just all about bringing down Russia. We started with Russia Gate, we continue with you know it's Russia, 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 everything, right? And now we get to this point, and the whole idea now that they're in it, is to take down Russia. But my take on it, Greg, is that, you know, this is not an event that's being controlled by the globalists, that this is actually an event that is very alarming to the globalists. Putin's population pushed him in this direction for a long time. He showed great restraint throughout the Middle Eastern wars that we intervened in throughout the Syrian conflict, where You know, he was killing ISIS fighters that we were funding and creating with British intelligence, and now we've created these Nazi battalions and this whole kind of culture of Ukraine that's become very toxic and very, you know, nationalistic, and it's all about this Ukrainian national identity, and alongside that, they've sowed this real hatred of Russia in Ukraine. So a lot of the population, it seems, is infected with this sort of point of view because of all the propaganda and meanwhile the average ukrainian's life has gone to complete hell before the intervention and the imf one of the reasons yanukovych was probably the main reason yanukovych was taken out in 2014 and he was democratically elected he was pro-russian was that he had refused to imf terms which was to privatize a lot of the electrical infrastructure and the energy infrastructure in ukraine he refused it and so it was shortly after that that this incident the Maidan took place which the you know, western media painted like diana security people were gunning down protesters when in fact you know it looks like georgian snipers again who were shooting at protesters and it was all sort of staged and this is a george soros you know funded situation with the orange revolution as was the situation in Georgia, the Rose Revolution, where Shaakashvili, our puppet, was put into power, and the Russians had to go into South Ossetia. And Shakashvili, by the way, is now the governor of Odessa province. He moved to Ukraine. So, you know, good fascists hang together. And he was basically in jail for the longest time and probably not welcome in Georgia anymore, I guess. So anyway, they really wanted this grain belt of the Eastern Hemisphere. Very strategic on the Black Sea, Sea of Azov, very strategic area, Central Asia. Zig Brzezinski mentioned it in his book, The Grand Chessboard, about Central Asia being really key, and he talked about Ukraine extensively in that book. And now it appears the Russians are going to seal off the Sea of Azov. They already have done that. And now they're going to seal off the Black Sea if they can take Odessa and create the slam bridge to Transnistria and Moldova which is a pro-Russian region of Moldova, which looks like what they're gonna do, at least. Maybe they'll do more, but that'll basically make Ukraine a landlocked country. So to the West and the bankers who run all their prostitutes and drugs and whatever else they've been running through Ukraine, and it's a lot, because it's become this trafficking hub, sort of the Israel of the Middle East or the Dubai, and now the Middle East, but Central Asia—you could say it's the Dubai of Central Asia. Actually, the amount of crap that goes through Ukraine under these this double dose of fascist billionaires that have run this country now—and so they're very worried about it, and they're very worried about this Putin intervention, obviously. And this is why, and people say, well, Putin went to the school with Klaus Schwab and Trudeau and Macron and Jacinda Elder and all these that we got running Western countries now. But, you know, I maintain, well, he's an ex-KGB guy. Sure he's gonna go there and check this out. Sure he's also gonna talk with Netanyahu a bunch, which he's done the last couple of years, which had me a little worried about where he stood. But now it just looks like, no, he's, he's full on. And And the more interesting thing, Greg, is the response from the West to this Russian intervention to take out neo-Nazis, is what they call it, and it's mm-hmm. pretty much true. The response, and how the West has just iced Russia out of the whole thing now, and made them a pariah nation. And they think it's, I guess, funny, or, or they're, you know, they're signaling, they're, they think they kind of got Putin where they want him, but it looks to me more alike through baiting us, or baiting Biden into putting sanctions on Russian products, especially the oil, but also nickel and a lot of strategic minerals we get from Russia, we've actually shot ourselves in the foot and the Western economies are going to suffer even more after they just went through this whole round of COVID nonsense. And now all their cloud stocks and their meme stocks and their crypto is crashing, all these Elon Musk, Zuckerberg, lizard nightmare, you know, Nephilim <laughs> dreams of technology overlording, you know, the population are falling apart I think a lot of it's just, they don't have the technology down and it was always a lot of hubris. Electric car market's just falling off a cliff. Some of these stocks are down 90% in the last four months. So they got a real problem and now Putin's taking it back to the hard economy, the real economy, the gold standard, the gold ruble. You got India trading oil with China now and yon and you've broken the petrodollar completely. So who's that benefit? Is that benefit the West and their smug arrogance and their pomposity and their, oh, they're waving their blue and gold flags and they don't even know what they're supporting, you know, kind of like they did. I don't know. Did they do this with Pinochet maybe in 73, probably, up the white picket fence houses in Philly? I don't know. Maybe they did. Maybe they didn't. But the whole country is being, again, put under this spell. And. Now the hive mind that was created with COVID through the liberals is reconnecting with a lot of conservatives who are also anti-Russia. They hate Russia, like Michael McFaul, and they march out all these warmonger conservatives all of a sudden. And so they're recapturing a, a, another section of the population that they kind of lost through the masks and yeah maybe the vaccines even. And they're kind of bringing them back into this hive mind, stupid war economy, World War Three scenario. And They think it's funny or they think whatever, but they're being really reckless and they're really creating a situation where the world, it really will never be the same. And what's going to happen is going to be an economic fall down of the West, the US and Europe and the rise of China, the rise of Russia exponentially faster in India, the BRICS, the G20. I think that's a good thing. And I don't think they're in control of it. I think the London bankers have had a falling out. Well, they never really had a falling in with Putin, (laughs) honestly. He was always troublesome. But now it looks like India with Modi is going their direction. That's huge. China's definitely on the Russian side. And, you know, a lot of countries, Brazil, South Africa, Mexico, Nigeria, have refused to vote to condemn the invasion. So they're staying neutral. So the world geopolitical. Controllers who are Anglo American largely, though not completely, the bloodlines, in other words, the City of London crowd, are maybe losing control of the global economies. And it really depends how this situation in Russia pans out. And it really depends how much further it goes in a military way beyond Ukrainian borders. But even so, if it stays within Ukraine, and the United States continues these policies, and Europe continues these policies of just this vehement anti-Russian, this Russia-phobia. I mean, it's gonna create this autarkic world where countries, the trade blocks all break down, the free trade all breaks down, and if anything, you'll see an assembly of new trade blocks behind, I think, the gold-backed ruble. Mm,
0: wow, well, that is one hell of a summary. You clearly study this stuff and are aware of several layers that never make it to the typical American media audience. They like to keep their stories very simple. Russia bad. We got to go in there and spare no expense and don't ask any questions about why the president's kid is getting paid off from this one little country. But I've heard you talk elsewhere a little more about the responses from the rest of the world and even with all the pressure A lot of countries that usually follow the U.S. lead just aren't on this, Mexico being a good example. And it really does indicate a power shift. America can't seem to rally the gang like we used to. And when you hear things like breaking the petrodollar, it's probably at least a little concerning to all Americans. Because even though many of us condemn the actions of the empire, we know our leaders are in the wrong very often. But we do live here, and our fate is sort of tied up with their fate. Yeah. So I'm sure a lot of people have mixed feelings. Yes, we have criminals running the country using our money to flex their muscle, and we don't like it or want them to continue bullying the whole world. But our economy and our livelihoods are all tied up in their actions, and it doesn't seem like we have much control over it. So it's just a weird, unfortunate place to be.
1: Absolutely. And that's really, you know, explains what's going on with a lot of the, the inflation and that's making people's lives harder here. You know, the, the dollar is getting stronger, actually. So that's the one asset that's holding up in this country because stocks, bonds, looks like real estate pretty soon. You know, things are going to go thud. The question is, will the dollar go thud? You know, it's a big question. But for now, you have a situation where I'm convinced a lot of the China slowdown, the China COVID, the China the supply chain crisis. Yeah, part of it's definitely the PO Nedloid shipping conglomerate, which is what is it, Dubai ports, I think they call themselves nowadays. Because they've moved everything to Dubai, but it's the old peninsula orient navigation company from Hong Kong days that worked with HSBC and you know, just it's always been a huge shipper, but it's now it's just, it controls almost, I think it's like 55% of all the ports in the world are controlled by Dubai ports. So they definitely were complicit in their shipping rates, went way up, port rates went way up. But the other element of that, I think, is that China did not like the tariffs that Trump delivered, which is one thing about Trump that I actually liked because the tariffs really don't hit China, they don't hit the US, they hit the corporations like Apple, you know, and they pay the tariffs; they have to make up the difference. But China didn't like that, and then I think China found out that oh, some of these bio labs that are popping up in Ukraine that you know are pretty much verified on TV by uh, Victoria Newland in front of a congressional hearing, <laughs> and then you know a day later it's like that didn't happen. You know, <laughs> you're crazy if you said that. And well, Victoria Newland said it. I I didn't say it. She said it. And on that
0: subject, I wanted to ask you about this, because I've also heard you say that, yes, Ukraine has been a little microcosm for the wider world. The elite want to build. It's where the oligarchs are. It's where the biolabs are. And I've also heard you say it's where AI research is happening. And that's something I don't hear about all that much. And on that note, you also said, look at Estonia. It's all digital now. Mm -hmm. Ukraine was on that course until Russia stepped in. Talk to us a little bit about that because it's pretty interesting and I just don't hear about it anywhere. AI research was happening there. What's going on in Estonia?
1: Well, Estonia apparently has gone all in on this stuff and everything's, there's really no cash anymore and everything's paid on, a I don't know if it's a phone or a face print or but yeah, it seems to be the kind of, Estonia seems to be kind of the the model. I don't know if it's because it's a small country or I guess it's just a matter of paying people off and they must have got the population to go along with it. Ukraine, though, yeah, was also part of that where there was a lot of interesting, weird kind of fintech things going on in Ukraine. And I think initially that's probably why the crypto markets popped when the war happened, because it was a way for Ukraine you know, to still smuggle in money for their military stuff and whatever, and the oligarchs. But also, it just seems like it goes together with these bio labs, because this whole area, it turns out, is just full of them, and Eastern Europe and all surrounding Russia. And then, of course, what I was gonna say is the Chinese, I think, found out that Wuhan was not an accident. The first thing the Chinese said about COVID, if you remember way back when they were asked to comment on it, when it first broke out was, you know, there was a lot of accusations towards China and stuff, letting it out. And Chinese said, no, the US military brought it to our country. Hmm. And I think they weren't kidding. And I think it came in the world military games, which happened in October of 2019. And that's also where they first turned on the 5G in Wuhan. And so there was something with the labs and what they were cooking up in the labs. And I'm convinced they were cooking up something because Fauci was in there Jeremy Farrar and the Wellcome Trust were in there. They're at your crown fingerprint and your biggest investor. DARPA was in there. And in fact, some guy from DARPA, if you read Robert Kennedy's book, The Real Anthony Fauci talks about this guy, I can't remember his name, but he was a DARPA guy high up, the director, I think. And he... Emailed Fauci from Wuhan the day this event happened, and he was like bragging about it, almost like, "Wow, I can't believe how virulent this thing is." And and they got this; it's all in congressional records. If the Republicans get in there, these people, some of them will go to jail, like Fauci for these kind of things, and this DARPA guy and Farrar and all these. But these creeps cook something up, and I think it was also meant to interact with the frequencies, so. What we could be dealing with here is a virus, what we could be dealing with beyond that is a parasite,
2: Hmm.
1: because parasites and frequencies, Calda Clark did a lot of research into that. You might know her work, or you might know Royal Rife's work, Hmm. but they were all convinced that frequencies could be used to kill parasites, and that parasites were the key, were the basis of all viruses which is pretty much true. I mean, that's accepted now. After they sent Hilda Clark fleeing to Mexico because the FDA, you know, didn't want to hear that 20 years ago. So there's something going on, I think, with the frequencies and viruses. And it's part of the military, of course. It's DARPA. And there's a reason they're circling the enemies like Russia. There's a reason they're doing this stuff in Eastern Europe. There's a reason they're doing stuff in China. and. Countries that are basically our enemy, you know? And maybe this thing at the Cuban embassy was a similar situation, but I mean, these these are some dark people, or whatever they are, and they are figuring out how to use these frequencies with parasites, viruses, to make people sick. And they can target people directly, or they can target whole populations, they can, you know, it's hitting the switch. And so, I mean, I'm still convinced, just like I was originally, about COVID that the 5G is the main driver of it and that it's no coincidence that, you know, this is what was new during the era when everybody got sick. I mean, that's just to get a zoom out and just go, what was new during the era when there was this quote unquote pandemic? And that's what was new. Hmm. And then a bunch more went up (laughs) during it. And now we're kicking it up to apparently 18 gigahertz now. Then it's going to 60, and then that's the one that takes out the oxygen. 60 gigahertz is the one where our body has that same frequency, how it processes the oxygen into the hemoglobin and absorbs it into your blood. And if you don't get it, you suffocate. You can't breathe, which is pretty much what we saw with COVID. People couldn't breathe
0: yeah, and these five g towers, they are popping up everywhere. You know, just going to the grocery store, I see more and more, probably a dozen on that path. They're popping up in my neighborhood, which, you know, gives me a lot of anxiety. And people just think you're being paranoid, but it's like, as you said, they can change the frequency emitted from the device. So maybe they're not there to the kill frequency yet, but the infrastructure is put in place. And I've heard people even say, just, Conventional vaccines, the 60 or so shots that we're told to take, they contain aluminum and heavy metals. And the more of the heavy metals and stuff that they can get into your body, the more conductive you are, the more susceptible you are to frequency-based weaponry, I guess we should call it. And that's a real concern. Maybe the mRNA vaccines contained even more of that. Maybe it is a one-two punch. It's not one thing but it's a combination of things that all work in simpatico with each other. Mm-hmm. It's complex stuff and it just sucks that we have really no context. Their technology is many many years ahead of anything we're told about so we sound crazy when we talk about it. But the pieces are there. Like you can you can see elements of it working together and uh it's scary stuff, man.
1: Yeah, graphene I think's the key with these mRNA's. Because that's what it does. It just extremely conductive. And, of course, you get the chemtrails, too, that they've been dousing us with, dousing the whole populations with. And the same thing, making them more conductive. And I'm totally convinced that part of the vaccination agenda, maybe the main part even, along with depopulation, is also that literally the people that keep getting the boosters are like antennas. I'm not... Exaggerating that in any way, I I just literally mean that they become antennas for the frequencies because they need that. You know, otherwise, like you say, they're putting them up so fast anyway. But if they can get enough conductivity among the population, they don't need as many towers. And of course, the next obvious thing is they can literally send you a signal, and they can literally receive a signal from you, and they can manipulate the signal and. You know, all kinds of implications. So, no, it's what they're dreaming about. Now, whether or not it works, again, you know, I mean, that's a whole other question because what I've learned watching this cabal over my time on this earth, which has relatively been short, is that they're not very good at what they do, <laughs> generally. Once in a while, they'll score a big one, like 9-11. They pull that off pretty good, you know, and fool a lot of people. But for the most part, a lot of their stuff doesn't pan out. I just saw a Virgin Galactic stock. I think it was down 85% yesterday from its high. And that's Richard Branson's you know, little, let's fly up 50 feet above space and take billionaires to space or send them to <laughs> space. It's just a joke. But it's just they sit there and they show us this stuff because I guess they're feeling all insecure about how fucking big losers they are. <laughs> really. <laughs> <or something. laughs> but I don't know. But anyway, I'm just not sure it's going to work. So in other words, you might try to get all these people vaxxed and be conductors and antennas, but it might not work. But clearly there's health implications for people and, you know, stay away from it. But again, we did pretty good. In the end, we kind of pushed them back. And I feel like even though, yeah, the White House is out yesterday crowing about, you know, this Hashish Shah, this guy, I think he's probably a Shah, just a guess. I don't know this, but a lot of times the bloodlines will change their names slightly so this Ashish Ja' guy, he's like a toad to the lizards, if you understand the hierarchy. He's like a toad <laughs> to the lizards. So he's a toad. So his job is to just get up there and scare people into stuff. And then the Rothschilds can just kick back and drink whiskey and, you know, traffic children. <laughs> So—but he's like the White House guy now. I and mean, he's out threatening yesterday how we're going to have this bad thing this winter now again. And, Another dark winter, you know, but I just don't think that's going to happen anymore because I think Americans push back, Canadian truckers push back, and everybody, a lot of people push back. It seems like part of it is, yeah, now it's perfect for them because they've got this external enemy again, and they can sort of unite the people who had been really divided by the COVID thing and sort of patch it together under this empire, you know. This and again, just go back to military stuff, but a lot of the stuff we're sending is just Stuff that's outdated that needs to get used up, you know, it's been a, a while since we, we had a good war, Greg, you know, so <laughs> we had to, you know, clean out the warehouses of all this outdated weaponry and and it's all just virtue signaling. They know they know Ukraine can't win, they know they won't win, they know the longer it goes on, the more people will die. And that's what kills me is all these people cheerleading Ukraine in America don't realize that they're actually doing a lot of harm to Ukrainian citizens. Right. Because they're prolonging this thing and more people are just going to die.
0: And the amount of money we're sending over there is just insane as well. Like 33 billion recently. That's a key number. <laughs> uh, but, the, you know, we have people living on the streets. I mean, San Diego's getting pretty awful with the tent cities on every block. And it's like, how can your favorite restaurant even survive when no one wants to go there because from the parking lot to the front door? Is a bunch of nuts yelling at each other intense? I mean, it's destroying the businesses that are in the key areas that you know are the main drivers of people having any independence from the corporate world. At least in this city that I see,
1: yeah, and that's why they want to do it. That's why they don't mind. You know, they probably pay those guys to stand in front of certain places, <laughs> even you know the mom and pop places or whatever. I mean, you can't have a ruling class without an underclass. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's the thing. And so, because the underclass is real handy to the ruling class because they can go around and create chaos and debauchery and drug use and just, you know, all kinds of stuff that shouldn't even be in society and will because they just, they're the underclass and that's what they do. And then on the other hand, they can get the middle class to really lather it up to hate the underclass and that takes the heat off the ruling class. So the middle class don't hate the ruling class, right? Which is what they should do, you know, or not hate in the sense of human you know, hate humans, but hate the system at least. And realize they're your enemy at the very least. I mean the ruling class, the oligarchy is your enemy, you know, and so yeah, they're they're trying to take out small business. You're right, uh in your intro you talked about it, you know, they're taking out the Western economy and they're taking out the entrepreneurs. And if you look at the history of British mercantilism and crown colonialism and crown projects, Throughout history, that's been a huge thing: is just to take out the middle class, to take out the entrepreneurs in that country, wherever they're operating. They don't want competition, so Mm -hmm. they they literally rather have this underclass, and then some factory workers and farmers that make a little more than that. And but they really despise, you know, John D. Rockefeller said he said competition is a sin. He was quoted as saying that, and he meant it because you know when it becomes a cartel and it's thirteen bloodline families owning. Black Rock, which is then owned by Vanguard, you know, and yeah. State Street capitals got a piece and but it's all these crown investment offshore things that and there's just trillions of dollars sloshing around out there in these things, and if yeah, I mean if we could just even bring that home and tax it,, there would be no more homeless people in San Diego
0: <laughs> man. Yes, and I was going to bring this up because you mentioned BlackRock and Vanguard, and this was on my list of things because I had some notes here. BlackRock, Vanguard, State Street, and Berkshire Hathaway, I mean, they are in the top 10 institutional investors in almost every major company. They own the majority shares in Coke and Pepsi, Nestle, General Mills, Kellogg's, Mars, Kraft, and Heinz. They are the top investment firms in Facebook, Apple, and Microsoft. And just to read a little bit from Dr. Mercola, this is an article he wrote where it says, the same goes for the agricultural industry that the global food industry depends on and any other major industry. These institutional investors own Bayer, the world's largest seed producer. They own the largest textile manufacturers and many of the largest clothing companies. They own the oil refineries, the largest solar panel producers, and the automobile, aircraft, and arms industries. They own all the major tobacco companies and all the major drug companies and scientific institutes, too. They also own the big department stores and the online marketplaces like eBay, Amazon, and AliExpress. They even own the payment methods we use, from credit card companies to digital payment platforms, as well as insurance companies banks, construction companies, telephone companies, restaurant chains, personal care brands and cosmetic brands, no matter what industry you look at, the top shareholders and therefore decision makers are the same. Vanguard, BlackRock, State Street and or Berkshire Hathaway, and virtually every major company you find them amongst the top 10 investors. And that is scary. And now the story is that they're buying up all the housing so they can fulfill the you will own nothing promise and then rent them out to us and they're taking down neighborhoods and building these little cracker jack condos that again like let's pack them in like sardines, stay close to the 5G towers, stay close to the inner city. It's uh it's a lot, man.
1: Smart cities, yep. Yeah, no, yep. it is a lot. <laughs> and if you look at Biden's economic team, all them guys came from BlackRock. Wow. <laughs> so that's comforting. But it used to always just be Goldman Sachs would get that job. It'd be a slam dunk, you know, like every treasury secretary we've had for until this guy or this gal, Janet Yellen, has been from Goldman Sachs. And now it's kind of switched. And again, it's just the global oligarchy that's been controlling humankind for the last 8,500 years is now coming out of the closet. So you have a she's job, the Shah family telling you you need to get a shot and you have Imran Khan as the mayor of London, and you have this situation with BlackRock just coming out and just, yeah, we'll just fill the positions, and it really happened with Trump. You know, Trump was the only president ever to just have a billionaire running every single cabinet post. I mean, every single one, a billionaire. And so they're, yeah, the ruling class is now out of the closet. They're telling you, here's what the plan is. You know, BlackRock's gonna rent you your house for 1500 a month. And then you can go down here and do some Uber driving or something and, you know, get this piece work here and this bit work there and learn to eat bugs because you're not going to be able to afford steak, son, sorry. And it's just, yeah, the whole thing, if you look at it and zoom out, again, it's an austerity program. It's like an IMF austerity program on the West. Mm -hmm. Because, again, they've gotten powerful enough now. They've concentrated their assets enough as you listed all those companies and industries that they control. And they do that. They can literally just come out of the closet on the political stage and say, we're running things now. You know, we are. And here's how it's going to be. And your lifestyle and your standard of living will go down and you will accept it and you will love it. And our standard of living, well, it'll go up, but we're not going to talk about that right now.
2: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and it's just these people are just evil and we have to rise up in a revolution against them. And in whatever capacity you could fight it, but you have to realize this is your enemy, and that's what I've always told people for thirty-five years. You know, just keep your eye on the ball. It's follow the money. It's qui bono. You follow the money, you find out your enemy. But don't get baited into this divide and conquer thing, or this party thing, or this ism thing, or this anything. It's just this group of bloodline nephilim human hybrids that live in castles. And go by, you know, sir and duke and duchess and whatever kind of stupid games they play. And it's just wrong. We're a meritocracy. We're a democracy. We're we're America. Mm -hmm. And we don't cotton to rule by bloodline. And we don't think you have that special bloodlines. Anyway, we think your bloodlines are corrupted, inbred, and ineffective. And you should just stand aside and... If you don't stand aside, we're going to have to start taking your stuff that you took from us, namely everything, everything <laughs> for 8,500 years. You've just been this parasite capitalist vacuum cleaner on the whole earth and got around the indigenous people first. And then, you know, later it was us white folks you used as, you know, frontline people that go into your other areas and abuse the Indians. And now you're abusing us and we're just like the Indians. And I don't know if people can at some point. They have to unite and they have to get in their head who their enemy is. Still, it's just, nothing's changed, Greg. Like, you're right, the script just keeps playing over and over. Like, I saw Ukraine in Nicaragua, El Salvador, when I was 20 years old. You know, and I saw, I've seen this movie before. Mm -hmm. And somehow, yeah, people just, what is it about people, they just keep believing the liars. They keep, it's Stockholm syndrome, I guess, I know, but it's like getting beat down for all these generations, I guess. But they still believe these people who've lied to them over and over and over and over their whole life. And they still believe the economic model that they're put into, which is basically slavery for most of us, and shopping, slavery and shopping, slavery and shopping. They go together. You can't have one without the other. So like I said, my Stick It to Matrix book, you don't shop and you don't be a slave. You don't get a job, which... You know, I admire what you do, Greg. You're an entrepreneur. You do your own thing, man. And that's the way to go. Cheers. And then you don't also buy a bunch of stuff that you don't need, man, which is Mm -hmm. nothing. You don't need anything. And you're better at traveling light anyway, and you're happier. And Thoreau taught me that a long time ago, reading Thoreau's books and just learning from the Native Americans, from the Lakota especially, because they're from my home state. And yeah, the whole system is a Babylon system, the whole thing. Right you know not just the elite part of it, but your behavior within it, the sick culture they've created, and your acceptance of that sick culture that's been foisted on you, the belief system that's been foisted upon you by the tentacles of the crown, whether it's National Geographic Society or the Royal Institute of whatever, whatever whatever, you know, and now you see this Ukrainian war, and sure enough, like a lot of the talking heads on cNN are with the Royal Institute of whatever, whatever, <laughs> you <know, it's> like, <laughs> yeah, I don't know.
0: Well said. And, you know, I respect what you do a lot, too. And the way you live, and that is kind of the page I'm on, is wanting to get out of San Diego and live a simpler, homesteader kind of lifestyle. My wife's on board. We got a new baby. Like, that seems to be a good... Way to raise a kid. Mm-hmm. And obviously, you know a little bit about that. Any advice for picking good land in the right area of the country? I'm sure a lot of people are thinking about this. What can you tell us?
1: Yeah, man. Good on you. And congrats on the baby, too, by the way, Greg. That's <laughs> thanks, great. Thanks. Uh, yeah. So, well, I think cost has to be the main thing because, again, I talk, I'll talk, get into this a little bit and sticking it to the matrix about why we moved to the Ozarks. And the Ozarks is still some of the cheapest land, and that's in Missouri and Arkansas. You know, mostly a little bit in Oklahoma, I guess, northeast Oklahoma. That area is real good because it's got good clean water, no industry, low cost living, low property taxes. I bought and sold three different farms there, improved them, and worked them each for a while. Last them for eight years, and that's when we came. You know, we we sold that and we moved up to the Black Hills here. And I'm not farming anymore, but I put in my time. I'm 56, you know. <laughs> and I did like Fair 30 enough. years, man, of like, yeah, subsistence farming really is what I would call it in different places. But you have to look at the cost. I would look at the Ozarks, but you got to be patient because this housing bubble has really infected the whole country. Even in the Ozarks, stuff's gone up way more than it's worth, man, way more than anybody should be paying. And I do think with the stock market crash, that we're seeing. And it is a crash. Um, You know, newsflash, because it's like the worst since 1939, first up to right now, it's the worst market since 1939 in 2022. And that was the depression. Mm
2: -hmm. And
1: generally what happens is once the investor class gets nipped and the 401k people get nipped, then you're going to start seeing people having to sell houses instead of not having to sell houses. And so I think the housing market it will crash, and uh, that's when you gotta have your, I call it, you know, how you, well, you have your uh, your grub stake, which <laughs> what I mean is a little bit of savings. Yeah. You know, that you can go out and buy a big chunk of that property with cash, and preferably all of it, but like, you know, that's getting harder. And um, I had to borrow on my first place too, man, and there was a mobile home on 10 acres in Arkansas. Hmm. But that was the only place I had, ever had to borrow on. And that's part of why I kept moving. And I think, see, the other thing to homesteaders is be willing to keep moving, man. If there's an opportunity for you to make money on that place you bought because of the stuff you done and, you know, whatever, then do it. Pull the trigger and get the money and go get another place, maybe a better place. So don't get stuck in one place necessarily, you know, this whole idea of like, I know there's a lot of words that drive me crazy. And one of them is uh, you know, sustainability. And another one of them is permaculture. Because, you know, the Indians and permaculture didn't really go together. Mm. <laughs> it was more like, you know, move along, Sonny, <laughs> and let your house fall down. Don't worry about it. And then put another hut up over here where the buffalo are hanging out today. And there was nothing really permanent about it. And that was the beauty of it. It was more just fluid and completely. Well, semi-nomadic anyway. I mean, they'd stay places for months sometimes, but that'd be about it. And part of the problem that I think we have is our understanding of sedentary living is all we have. Like, we don't want to have an understanding of how to live any other way but in a sort of a sedentary fashion. And part of what I've tried to do, too, along with the farming I did and the you know writing and stuff and the politics, is I've kept moving. And I can really... Say that that's been a really good decision hmm. because you always just see new stuff, learn new things. I got old friends in all them old places, <laughs> but and it is sad to leave those friends. But you know, the ones that are stick stick. And it's one of the things I heard lately was like how our generation doesn't move as much. Like our parents' generation actually moved more. They would just. Get in the car and move ten states away if there was a job. Yeah, and not worry about it. And part of that is part of the agenda twenty one stuff is, and that was last year. <laughs> I guess agenda thirty now, but part of that was limit our mobility. And you never want to, yeah, you never want to let them limit your mobility. And I got a cat, you know, and you got a kid, so that limits your mobility for a time. Go find a place to raise that kid. Perfect. But just saying after kids raised, whatever, or whatever, I've seen, hey, man, I've seen people traveling, with six months old kids, you know, in Honduras yeah. and stuff too, for that matter. So anyway, there's just a lot of ways to live. And I think part of the problem in the Western civilization, the decline of it, is that we forgot that there's a lot of ways to live.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. And the prices are pretty wild. We've been looking at land in tennessee and texas and colorado i want to avoid places where there's extreme weather because if i'm going to have a couple of animals and i'm going to be adopting this new way of living that isn't necessarily my nature then i got to make it a little bit easy on myself i don't want to be dealing with um you know sub-zero temperatures and all kinds of stuff so you know there's areas where you can kind of um make it easier on yourself and I'm trying to check out those places. But yeah, uh, I guess I'm just going to be waiting for the decline of these prices that are so crazy uh, and then get a nice little five acre spot and make sure no 5g towers go up around the house and that kind of thing.
1: That's the (laughs) other thing. Yeah. You probably know about Ookla, but it's O-O-K-L-A and you can go to Ookla and you can find out where all the towers are at. So, Hmm. you know, while you're looking at your little farm, Yeah, exactly. Make sure that it's, at least for now, in the clear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I know. And yeah, and then part of me too is like, yeah, in the end, am I going to end up, you know, will I die in the USA? I can't say that for sure. And if I had to bet, maybe I'd bet that I won't. Well, that was going to be another one of
0: my questions for you, because you did mention last time that you've traveled to over two dozen or so countries. And I think a lot of Americans are thinking about, if not retreating to a homestead lifestyle, maybe just getting out of the country entirely. And I wanted to pick your brain about a simpler expat lifestyle outside of the American cage.
1: Yeah, definitely. Actually, I've been to 50 countries. That's where the title of that book, The Grateful and Rich Revolution in 50 Countries, comes from. Damn. And I've been exactly 50. That's the thing. I've been a nomad a lot of my life, and I enjoy every minute of it, really. There's some good places, yeah. Mexico is right there. You know, that's what makes that handy. And there's a lot of people that have moved to Ecuador because land in Ecuador, I mean, you can you can buy beachfront property in Ecuador for like less than 100 grand for like a house on the ocean and stuff like that. Thailand, Malaysia, both are good choices, I'd say. Thailand, you can't buy land really. It's kind of tricky because it's the law in Malaysia you can't. I know Malaysia's got a really good retirement thing for like people over 55 too. If you want a more tropical scene, like Ecuador would be like the climate is, you know, 70s and 50s all year, like San Diego, <laughs> probably. It's a good climate. Then, you know, Mexico's got a little bit of everything. If you get on to, you know, Chiapas, that's pine forest, 7,000 feet. And that's, again, you're looking at 70s and 50s, but you can live on a beach and be hot. You can, you know, there's just a lot of stuff in Mexico. But and then Africa, I think if you look at the number of towers going up and if you look at the vaccination rates and things like that, you know, Africa looks good hmm. because nobody got the shot there outside of South Africa and Nigeria somewhat. And the towers aren't going up as fast, but they are going up, I noticed, too, even in Africa. So a lot of it's just having a higher standard of living. I mean, if you go to Mexico, you got health care all of a sudden. You know, that's one thing, right? I mean. People do it across the border just to get health care. Some of them live next to the border Americans, some of them just go to Mexico because of that. But as you get older, you don't want to really rely on this broken system of health care we have in the U.S. So
0: Right. And you have more holistic options, from what I understand, more choice in the type of care you get rather than this big pharma petrochemical monopoly.
1: Yes, and if I ever get... Like really bad cancer, so I might probably go to India. Speaking of that, because mm. you know it's just Ayurvedic medicine. It's pretty much eat a bunch of mangoes and papayas and shut up, <laughs> you, know, you get better. And I've seen so many people in this country just get mowed down by healthcare costs in their old age, and it's so sad. And um, plus with all the geopolitical stuff going on, Russia, China, the whole you know, <laughs> the whole Deagle report, which I'm sure you heard of. You know, is that all vaccination to or is that because we're going to get nuked by China because we're just being these belligerent fucks all the time and not us, but our government. So, yeah. yeah, that gets annoying. And then the mindset of the people, it's like, why are you all cheering for war? But I don't know. That's I don't think that's true either, because I don't think a lot of Americans are really interested in the Ukraine war, as you think. I mean, the media makes it sound like, yeah, everybody's on board. Bono's over there. Plan is whatever. Which, you know, was funny. Roger Waters, did you hear what Roger Waters said? He's like, Bono wrote this poem on this old Ukraine, like Ukraine was Jesus or something. <laughs> Roger Waters is like, God, it's bad enough you are hanging out in Davos, all so these billionaires. Now you got to put up with your shitty poem.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bono is like the king shill.
1: He has become for sure. Yeah, it's so sad. You select like their stuff when they first came out. But anyway, yeah, so again, it goes back to that idea. There's a lot of ways to live. So, you know, one of those is, yeah, go traveling. I was like, I used to tell my friends when I was in my twenties and stuff, traveling, backpacking around the world and stuff, staying in, you know, $3 hotels or whatever. And okay, now those hotels are $5, but you can still go there. And it's like, okay, $5 a night, what's that 150 bucks a month you're renting for 150 bucks a month. And so you want me to what, if I'm not working or have a job or whatever, like all y'all do, and you want me to just hang out in the u s and pay like ten times that for rent and not see anything. I don't know, so there are options out there, and it doesn't have to be like this. It doesn't have to be you don't have to be in a squeeze all the time,
0: yeah, it's good advice because so many people are living a job they don't even enjoy just to keep up if they're even keeping up. Usually they're uh spending a couple hundred bucks more a month on the credit cards until that runs dry. But it's like, if you're not even happy, what are you doing? You know, we have this idea that if you get off the rat race treadmill, you'll never be able to get back on and you'll be so far behind your peers. And so you better just keep up with it. And it sucks now, but you're putting in the time because it's going to get better later. And like, that's what I think a midlife crisis is, is when you realize I'm 50, they fucking lied to me. It's not getting better. And now I'm stuck because I have a wife and a family and I really can't. Do the kind of nomadic thing, or I can't retreat from the system. And it's like, I guess I'll buy a motorcycle. That's kind (laughs) of the way it goes. Yeah, there you go. Last time we did mention that your website was taken down, but when it comes to this kind of online censorship and digital fuckery, you've actually experienced a lot of this, right on up to your bank accounts. Is that right? Maybe you know more than others what could happen to the rest of us as they work out the kinks in this infrastructure.
1: Yeah, for sure. They took my website down in for my bank account, February of 2020, so it was just right before the COVID hit this country. Then they sent me like a disk. WordPress sent me a disk and said, because I was on WordPress, was the platform, and they said, you'll no longer be able to write here. See you later. Here's your information. And then they sent me a disk, and it had a virus on it. <laughs> it was, they were trying to put a virus on my computer, I guess. But I don't care. I won because the minute my website went down, I wrote a column every week called Left Hook, that you may remember. And Mm -hmm. the minute that site went away, my book sales just went through the roof because a lot of people just read the blog. They didn't have to buy a book. They could just read those articles because those articles are now in books, you know. And that was the other beautiful thing I did was I put every single article on that website and there was a lot of them. Into a book, so it's all in print and nothing hurt, and just kind of got me out from behind the computer. The bank account was a little different. I was, <laughs> I was like Synchrony Bank, and we ended up. I would call them, and they'd say, well, "We don't know." And then, okay, manager, please, manager, please, and up the chain, up the chain, and then you get to the last manager, and she says, oh, "Well, I don't know, sir. That's decided in the back room." That's what she said, and I don't even think. They knew in the back room, honestly, I just think it was an algorithm that just froze my bank account, maybe because they didn't like me. But I ended up calling the the CEO of Synchrony Bank in Utah, and I got through to her secretary, and I said, I'm going to sue your company and turn you into the comptroller currency if you don't call me back and unfreeze this today. And I got a call like in 15 minutes, and it's done. So Mm -hmm. I should have done that earlier. That's a lesson because, yeah, you have to go at them with a lot of, you have to just do everything. It's a war. It's a war. And, uh, anyway, you know, you say that bank account got transferred. But, yeah, and that is what's coming. You know, I was one of the first ones clipped maybe. Yeah, because 5G and The Crown, I was talking about it, you know, and they don't like you talking about either one of those, especially in combination with one another and um, how they own all that. 5G and stuff, and they're putting it up and killing people. So they didn't like it. They're going to shut more people down. Yeah, Ministry of Truth. But yeah, you know, here we are doing this interview. So they didn't shut me down either, really, did they? It's <laughs> just, yeah. just got a few books sold, you know, from some sandbaggers that needed to buy a book, maybe. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, right. It's a whack a mole game. But just for the people who think that it isn't actually happening or it couldn't happen, it, it is. It's <laughs> happening to people right now. So I think Absolutely. it's important to highlight the techniques that they're using in real time. And uh, I also wanna ask, what's next for you, man? Are there any new books in the works?
1: Yeah, I'm trying to get my brain around this book I gotta write. Yeah, it's just gonna have to do with kind of the right way to live, you know, the right way to perceive reality. It's kinda tricky because the whole premise of the book is sorta like, don't write a book, it's unnecessary, you know? (laughs) So I'm trying to figure out how to get around that. But no, it'll be good when it happens. Yeah, I'm uh, just working up to it. Just working up to it, Greg, you know. Going at my own pace and trying to, right now, just honestly get healthy, which I have been able to do since, honestly, getting off the farm. Because for me, the farm was becoming, it was a lot of work, you know, and we never had kids. and. So, yeah, it's hard on your back, man. (laughs) So get ready, Hmm. you know. um, I need it. I need it. I've been a house cat for way too long. Yeah, there you go. See, everybody's (laughs) in a different spot. You need to go there, and you should. And and I just need to get off of there, and and I'm glad I did. And It's a great life, man, and just living in the country, and it's really a great life. I mean, it's the way we're supposed to be living for sure, Mm -hmm. you know, and I wish you all the best of luck with that, you know, finding a spot. I can help you let me know in any way.
0: (laughs) Yes. And I wish you luck as well. And I appreciate the insights. You are one of the best and you do truly practice what you preach. Living the simple self-sustainable lifestyle is the way to go. And I hope that uh, I can follow that path uh, in the next year or two, but you're an inspiration, man. And I love your writing. Keep fighting the good fight out there.
1: Right on Greg. You too, brother. And best of luck to you as well. And yeah. Talk to you down the road sometime, huh?
0: Yes. Cheers, man. Cheers. All right. Hitting the high points of modern geopolitics with an old school researcher of the highest order. And I think he's very right about the Ukraine situation. We've had a few different takes around here, and I found some elements of each take interesting. And there were some angles that I thought were really unique. Clyde Lewis had some knowledge about the symbols and emblems we've been seeing. And Ole Demingard's point about nations that announce Bitcoin adoption suddenly having some big problem is well taken, parallel to any leader who would announce a new alternative to the petrodollar or a gold-backed currency. Gaddafi and Saddam, that seems to be the real story in those cases. So I think that angle has some merit, but overall, I'm on Dean's page. It seems like the New World Order has been using Ukraine as a laundering, trafficking, operations hub, and Putin wants to shut it down. I don't see it as much more complex than that. We have an upcoming show where we talk about Haiti in a similar regard. The parasites tend to burrow into these nations and carry out a lot of operations, and in some cases, medical experimentations on the people or in Ukrainian labs. And they keep the black market trafficking running. I mean, let's add poppy fields in Afghanistan to that list. Drugs, guns, and human trafficking. They're a much bigger part of geopolitics than advertised, right? So I think Dean nailed it. It's not something we need to talk about every episode around here. But with the amount of money being shipped over there and how it could be a trigger for much more serious stuff, we just can't ignore it. I mean, the money is seriously insane. Everything's getting more expensive. Homelessness in the cities is worse than I've ever seen. And tens of billions wasted on protecting some parasite class puppet nation. You know, it's not really about the people. I feel sorry for the people. I don't want people anywhere to suffer. But I think we can decouple populations from their governments and know firsthand that there's not really a serious relationship there. And a lot of people suffer because of the decisions of these leaders. And this is no exception. A lot of people are out there suggesting that this conflict is winding down, but I don't think so. We now have Sweden and Finland applying to join NATO. Finland has 800 plus miles of border with Russia. Do you think they're going to like that? And being in NATO is a big deal. It's not just about trade. It's a commitment to respond militarily, even including the nuclear options, if you think that's a real weapon. But let's just say it's a commitment to use all the tools in the shed to protect any nation in the alliance. So adding more countries in this climate seems like an escalation. Plus, it's very common knowledge who is funding All this stuff in the Ukraine, clearly it's us. And as stated by that Russian historian who wouldn't come on THC, there could be consequences for funding all this from afar. Now a lot of geopolitical analysts are talking about China finally going in and taking Taiwan back. Biden was just asked at a press conference, would we send in military troops if China did that? And he point blank said, yes, we would. Well, you can't do everything, Joe. How many billions are you going to send to Taiwan? Because we are kind of tapped. So it really feels like America is bleeding out right now intentionally, and there are some other predators in the jungle that are recognizing it. It's just disappointing that everything is going so poorly so quickly. It's like people sense a decline, and so every possible hand that can fit in the cookie jar is robbing us blind. Taxes and prices are getting more and more brutal. And if we just used half the money in the cookie jar for real, positive, effective changes, it feels like we could do a lot. And that is what bothers me most, is that it feels like if they just kept the cronyism, embezzlement, and corruption at like a 7, at like 80s, 90s levels, we could handle it. But they're redlining it all to 11, and everyone is saying, we got troubled times ahead. And that's why Dean is great, though, because he's an advocate for a simpler, go-with-the-flow life, and a lot of his advice kind of insulates you from the damage and what's going on out there compared to someone trying to do everything the conventional way. Just a good dude, I'm happy to know, and I think he offers an honest and informed but not so dramatic take on things. The first hour interview is great, as is the second. In the Plus show, we talked about... Dean's advice for wannabe American expats, the parasite philosophy and justification, the hive mind mentality, the Department of Homeland Security's disinformation governance board, which on a positive note, it seems like this department after much backlash has been shelved, but they will be back at it eventually, right? We also talked about herbology and natural ways versus big pharma, RH negative blood and the differences in the inbred Nephilim elite. Questions around if we're being conditioned to see the Nephilim in a positive light. Will the giants ever return? Central bankers in crypto projects? I asked him if there are other aliens among us besides just the Nephilim. We talked about the strange fires and explosions that are happening in food production plants. That's getting pretty crazy. And the coming deflationary depression and Dean's thoughts on it. Solid stuff that can be all yours for the low, low subscription fee of $8 for five shows a month. Download them easily and keep them and then cancel anytime. You've heard it all before, but in higher side news, just trying to make sure I've got all these show obligations met for June since we're making the long, boring 19 plus hour drive back to Austin, Texas for this event with Gordon on the 25th. I was just going to fly in and out real quick, but we have friends in Texas that my wife would like to see, and we just don't want to put the baby on a plane until she's a bit older. Not only for our own convenience, because you never know when a meltdown might happen, but flights are also pretty immunosuppressant, and the backscatter x-ray machines certainly aren't health-promoting, and I'm not trying to be paranoid, but whatever, flying in general doesn't seem very fun right now, and I'm going to need a car when I get there anyway. So add it all up and it equals three days to get there and three days to get back. So I hope you guys are coming out in full force because I'm not going to be doing this again for a while. But Let's take a look at the calendar at HiresideMeetups.com where we got May 28th. The Portland non Crazies Let Us Chill event at Fire on the Mountain in Portland, Oregon. And, well, the rest of the calendar is pretty bare. But anywhere in the world, you can hop on there and make an event at a local park, restaurant, brewery, or whatever, and meet other THC fans. It's a fun way to make new friends that you might be more on the same page with. And you know, just going in, you've got so much in common as THC listeners. There's so many different topics and guests you could discuss, favorites, ones you didn't like so much. It's all there. A lot of icebreakers, and the calendar is your friend. You'd be surprised how far and wide the THC audience is and how nice it is to expand your network of like minds. But that's about it. I got half a book still left to read for an interview I'm doing in the morning that I'm very much looking forward to, so let's call it. Do check out Dean's books if you have any interest. I think it is one of his primary sources of income now that his website has been blacklisted, so think about it. But I love you guys. Keep your heads up out there, and I will catch you next time. I've done my part. Your move, geopolitical string pullers, agents of the bloodline agenda, and new world order, order followers. Your
2: fucking move. Well, they tie that yellow ribbon round the oak tree. They've worn out all the prayers.
0: is another show complete. Remember, as much as you enjoyed this, which is just the free first hour, I hope you'll become a Plus member to hear the full two-hour interviews. You also can engage with other Plus members in the comments and the forums, and you'll find your answer to one of the most common questions I get, which is where can I find those cover songs that you use at the end of the show? Well, they are free downloads for Plus members too. And without plus members, I can't hire the occasional musician to bring these odd cover song ideas to fruition. Plus members are how I'm able to do what I do without ads and without the big machine being on my back. We can fit so much more into a two hour interview and I do my best to make it worth your time and money. The conversation only gets deeper, weirder and more controversial in that private hour. How could it not the way things are going? but the best way to sign up is at thehiresidechats.com where new first-time subscribers always get a free seven-day trial because I'm just that confident. There's no PayPal on the website, but if you need to use PayPal, then sign up through Patreon and you get all the same episodes. Our website is a credit or debit system, but you can also scope out the other options like a few various cryptos, cash or check mailed to the P.O. Box, And I'll even barter with most people if you have your own business and produce something nice that my wife or kid or taste buds might like. But the architects of consensus reality have made it clear that these themes and topics aren't really welcome on the main stage. And so this is how we secure a little counterculture corner for ourselves. And I hope you'll join Plus because that is the only way it works. Besides, you can cancel anytime right on your profile page. The most common concern I hear is people just being unsure if THC Plus will work with their podcast app and the answer is probably yes. But if not, we have several high-level app recommendations for whatever phone you use and the website is made for mobile too. We're trained to tip a waitress for bringing us a sandwich but that tip doesn't give you access to a second sandwich. Really, I'm not asking for any more than that, and I think I offer a better service. Come get your second serving of tasty conspiracy goodness in exchange for that small token of your appreciation. Beyond that, let it also be known that we have grown and survived as long as we have by word of mouth. I don't care so much about social media likes or follows, but tell the right people about THC. And not just listeners, but the high-level figures who are better suited to sit down with me than most other hosts. And if you can help me with any of these things, I can work to bring you better shows, which is just a win-win for both of us. Informative, entertaining, and action-packed. It also never hurts to thank a guest you liked if you have the time either. We want them to know people are listening, so they're willing to come back down the road too. Thank you for spending some time with me, and cheers to a better tomorrow.